Hi, everyone. My name is Tony Baker, and I am the lead pastor here at Gateway. Today, I uh, start a brand new series called Unstoppable. I just thought it was appropriate to look at the kingdom of God through the book of Acts. Uh, We're going to spend six weeks on this. Um, My spirit just felt that this is an appropriate series of messages for us in these times that we're living. Um, When times are uncertain, when times are unsure, when times are insecure, and fear seems to be the prevailing attitude amongst a lot of people, it's good for us to see how God, who is unstoppable, has called His unstoppable people to carry out the mission. No matter what we face, no matter whether we face governments or persecution or pandemics, the kingdom of God and the mission of God is to go and share that kingdom in all of the world. I had a funny video for you, but I didn't put it in there. It was some some COVID fun to the friends theme. And it just kind of went through the whole thing that we're all facing, you know. I mean, who would have thought that we would be buying bulk toilet paper from China? Or that you go to the store and you have to do a double check if you got a mask and some hand sanitizer, right? Never in our personal lives, never, I I cannot remember when my personal life has been so disrupted. Everything's disrupted. What is normal is no longer normal. Never has our personal lives been so disrupted. I've never seen anything in my lifetime disrupt like this pandemic has. Everything has changed. How we visit family, how we visit friends, how we go to the store, how we go to school. My daughter started uh, her junior year of high school this, this week, and she was telling me about school, and it's just crazy, the stuff that they're going through, and, and we understand why, right? The work environment's disrupted. Some of us like it a little better, though. We get to stay home more, and just everything. Never has our personal lives been so disrupted disrupted, but also never has our religious lives been so disrupted. I mean, who would have ever thunk it to imagine a day in America when we would have so many churches closed, not gathering together to worship God on Sunday? I mean, church in our country has been an institution and a habit that was the center of almost every community in our country. For a hundred years, two hundred years, church has been at the center of most of our lives. Whether you practiced Christianity or not, many of us, many people found themselves in church on Sunday because it's just something that you did in our culture. The church was the center of social life for so many communities and so many of us. Never has our religious lives been so disrupted. And never have I been more confident in God's dream 
for Gateway Church. In the middle of the disruption, in the middle of all that's going on, in the middle of the change and the pandemic and the fear and the disruption that we see in our lives, never have I been more confident in God's dream for Gateway. Three years ago now, I started sensing a nudge. I've been here within my seventh year as your pastor. I began sensing a nudge that something is off. At first, I thought it was me. I thought, maybe it's time. Maybe I've got the church. We, we picked ourselves up and, and we built something. We overcame some major hurdles and some major mountains. And, and I've just felt this nudge, God nudging us deep in my gut. People often ask, how does God speak to you? I say, he speaks to me in my gut. I can't explain it any other way. Sometimes I don't communicate it well. Sometimes I don't say it quite right, but there's just this gnawing in my gut that I know that God is speaking and moving in my life. And God is telling me something. And about three years ago, I sensed this gut wrenching that something is changing. I look around and and any good pastor today will have their ear to the culture and their ear to the Holy Spirit. And God will begin to move communities of faith in whatever context and culture they're in to not necessarily change the message. We don't do that, but to change their methods. When people start to change and culture starts to change, the church needs to change with it because the goal is not to keep our methods. The goal is not to keep our traditions. The goal is to take the message into the culture so that they might listen and hear and be saved. Amen? And so about three years ago, I started sensing this nudge and I knew God never changed, but I also know that we might need to change to reach those who are far from God. God's dream. (laughs) A year ago, a couple years past, I began having conversations with people in the church board. and, And about a year and a half ago, we decided to start the process to bring in a coach. I needed a coach. And we brought in a seasoned pastor and and he began to coach us and help a group of us try to discern what this vision is, try to discern what this change is. And God's dream for us, we realized, is unique to Gateway. Listen, every church in Angola and around the world has exactly the same mission. Every church has the same mission. Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them all that I have commanded you. That's our mission. That's every church's mission. It's the same mission everywhere, but we say it this way. We exist to inspire every generation to follow Jesus. It's taking something that's long and complex and not necessarily easy to remember and putting it in words that's easy to remember. We exist to inspire every generation to follow Jesus. We are here, church, to make disciples. And the culture and the pandemic and the mountains and the fear and whatever else is thrown at us should never stop that. We should never stop being the kingdom of God 
in our world. Every mission is the same, but not every vision is the same. You say, what do you mean by that, Pastor Tony? God calls every group of people, every Jesus following, every Jesus movement, every gathering in Jesus' name has a unique DNA about them. They have a unique makeup of people and gifts and talents and things. And so how we accomplish that, vi- that mission is different. Some churches in town are very different than us, and we don't say, well, you're just wrong. No, they're just different. They're different. They're trying to accomplish the mission that God's called them to in the way that they feel God's called them to. That is vision. That is church unique. The vision team, guided by our coach, did this kingdom concept. We looked at our larger community. We looked at the needs of our community. We looked at our passions and our values. We examined our congregation. We spent months digging in to who we are and what we believe God calling us to be in our community. And one word just kept coming back to us over and over again. We got it all the way down. We started way out here and funneled it all the way down to this one word. Embracing. The leaders of this church felt that we are an embracing church. Many of you have come from many different backgrounds, many different denominations, many different life stories. And one thing that stands out about this church is that you embrace everyone. And you love everyone. And so this one word that we are an embracing church. And I know, I know what you're thinking. Maybe it's, maybe we got it wrong, right? Oh, we're an embracing church. And then COVID happens. I don't mean that way. Although I know a lot of you like to hug. I don't mean that. Embracing right now is probably not a good idea. But it's not that kind of embracing. We believe that we are a church who sees the needs and we will rise up to meet them. We heard God speaking that discipleship is so much more than just an event on Sunday morning. Discipleship is so much more than just attendance at a Bible study or a Sunday morning. Discipleship, in Jesus' sense, has so much more to do with your relationships to one another and going deeper than it ever had to do with programs in a church. We heard God speaking to us. God has a dream for Gateway that one day we would not just be a people who meet here on Sunday morning, although we will gather, who doesn't just show up for Bible study, that Bible study will be part of it, who doesn't just worship on Sunday mornings or whenever we have the doors open, that discipleship would be so much more than just attendance. And checking off that thing that we do every week, well, I've been to church this week, I'm good to go. No, God has a dream, and we believe God is telling us that the Sunday morning church service is no longer just the front door for those who are far from God to meet God. (laughs) It's going to be your living rooms. It's going to be your break rooms. 
It's going to be the parks in our community. It's going to be the movie theater, the going out for dinner, the coffee shops. That's discipleship. It's going to be the relationships that you forge, the relationships that God's calling you to, the relationships that God's put in your, in your life. There are people who are far from God, and they are not going to step into this building and find Jesus because you invite them. But they will step into your front door, into your living room, and they'll be friends with you. We believe that God is calling the church back. And this was months ago. This was in January. We believe that God was calling us to be a small a church of smaller churches where micro churches are meeting all over the community and you're inviting people from within this, your friends and family from within, but you're also looking to your neighbor and to your coworker and they'll come into your and say, hey, we're getting together and we're having dinner and we're doing this and we're doing that. And we might even include some Bible study in that. You interested? They will come. People want to connect. They may not want church like you know it, but they want Jesus. Trust me. They may not realize that yet, but once they meet him, they'll want him. The tip of the evangelistic spear for the church today is no longer our programs. It's our hospitality. It's how we love one another. This is the dream that God has for us. We believe back in January, because we went through a nine-month process, and, and understanding this is what God's calling us to. We had a strategy. We have a strategy to begin to launch small group ministries, to begin to train leaders, to begin to coach and teach and equip and develop people so that they can see that this is what God wants for us. And then COVID hit. And it's been pushed back. But we're still going to continue forward. My wife and I, and just me leading the way, we have grabbed four couples from within our church. And we just said, hey, next week, we're going to start meeting at our house after church for dinner. And we'll talk about the sermon, maybe, or do a Bible study, play some games. Are you interested? Yeah, we're in. See, I didn't know for sure. COVID thing. I promise you I'll lock my kids in the basement. Well, the one I got left at home, two I got left at home. They're never there. Getting older is crazy. You know, the other night, my wife and I, we spent four nights alone. And we didn't have a clue what to do. We sat and stared at each other. Well, what do you want to do tonight? I don't know. Let's go to Pokagon. Okay, let's go to Pokagon. Next night, we're alone. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? Where's our kids? Well, one's living in Fort Wayne now. One's never home. And the other one's almost 16. So she's got friends now. So she's gone. Francis Chan, who I like to read. I read some of his, a lot of his stuff. But he had this to say. He said, true discipleship involves deep relationships. Jesus didn't simply lead a weekly Bible study. He lived life with his disciples. And he taught through action as well as words. 
this is the kind of church we want to be. Sure, we're going to study our Bibles. Absolutely. It's God's Word. It's the foundation of our life. I want to know what God has to say about certain things in my life. But if we're not doing the life together, we're falling into a trap of becoming something discipleship was never intended to be. And so this is the dream. It seems impossible, doesn't it? I mean, with our busy schedules, our independent, autonomous mindsets, our COVID-wracked world, it seems our lives right now are just better suited to lock ourselves away to immerse ourselves in our own worlds during the week and just show up for maybe a Bible study or a service that's going on. Let somebody else do that. And I've done my discipleship duty for the week, sir. It seems easier to just let the professional clergy do it for us. And if that were the case, listen to me, church. If what I'm saying is wrong, then you don't need the Holy Spirit. You don't need Him in your life. Jesus died. He was raised from the dead. And then for 40 days, Jesus began to meet with His disciples. Now, Jesus began to meet with his disciples because he had a lot of stuff to tell them. Now that I've died and I've been resurrected and you've seen me and you've touched me and Thomas, you've put your hands in my holes in my hand and you know I'm real. I've got some things I need to teach you. Why it took 40 days. I mean, wouldn't the resurrection be enough, right? (laughs) Woo, yeah, the resurrection. I mean, that would have been crazy enough. But now Jesus is teaching them for 40 days after his resurrection. This is what Luke tells us in the book of Acts, chapter 1. Jesus is teaching them about the kingdom. And why is this important? Because it speaks to the purpose that Jesus has for their lives. He has instruction for them. He has a plan and a purpose and a dream for a church that is not just a church that sits on a location and an address and people just gather in it. It's a church that is on the move. A church that is going into its community. A church that is going into its world. And it seems impossible, right? Can you imagine the disciples listening to Jesus tell them about the kingdom and how much they're going to be a part of it? It just seems impossible. I mean, we're running for our lives, Jesus. They just murdered you. And they're trying to murder us. Wouldn't it be easier to just go find a location and hide? And they did. They were hiding. Jesus has something that he wants his disciples to understand. But he also has something that he wants his disciples to do. Acts chapter 1 verse 4. On one occasion, during the 40 days... He was eating with them 
And while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. This is a command. Do not leave Jerusalem. Yes, sir. We're not going anywhere because everyone's trying to kill us. Tell us where to hide and we're going, right? Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait. Wait for what? The gift. As though the resurrection wasn't enough. As though the resurrection wasn't a gift enough. As though Jesus in the flesh, coming back from the dead when we thought he was gone, we thought it was over, we thought our lives were wrecked, we're ready to go back and become fishermen again and tax collectors and whatever else we were doing and the 120 that were there with. And we're just ready to go back to our normal lives. But now that Jesus is here, but Jesus says, no, wait in Jerusalem. Don't leave Jerusalem. Don't go back to your houses. Don't go back to your jobs. Don't go back to what it is that you were doing, your families. He says, wait for the gift. Because it's a gift. It's greater than even me here in the flesh. My father promised it. You've heard me speak about this. There is no reason that this is not also for all of Jesus' disciples This command for us to wait to receive a gift that he has promised. These are Jesus' last words to his disciples. If you knew that you had a few minutes left with your family and your friends, do you know what you'd say? Do you think those would be the most important words of your life? Do you think if you knew I had 10 minutes to live, here are my daughters over here and my wife, if I had 10 minutes to live, do I know for sure what I would want to tell them? To instruct them? My last wishes, my last, like, he's not dying, but my going away, I'm never going to see you again in the flesh wishes? That's what this is. Jesus is giving them a clear and concise instruction, his last words on earth. Verse 5, For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Water baptism. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. It represented a person turning away from their sinful life toward the kingdom of God. John was preparing the way for the Messiah and the people wanted to repent and be baptized and have a new life now looking toward the kingdom, looking for the Messiah. John collected disciples who wanted to be baptized so that they might be prepared for when the Messiah came. But Jesus tells them, this baptism that you were baptized into in John is less of a baptism than what my Father is about to baptize you with. It's a new baptism, a new immersion that is about to happen, and it's going to wreck your life. It's going to wreck your world. It's going to turn you on fire. It's going to release you and give you boldness, and it's going to move you out into the community. You're going to do things that you never even thought possible because the Holy Spirit is going to come on you and he's going to immerse you in his holiness. He's going to immerse you in his power. Jesus tells him this is coming, but why? 
Why is this important to Jesus? Why is the baptism with the Holy Spirit part of his final instructions? Why, now that he is about to leave earth, why is this so important? Verse 6. So then, they met together. They asked him. Now listen, this is the disciples. Jesus is giving them a gift. Wait, the Holy Spirit's coming. He's going to immerse you. And here's what they want to know. Uh, Lord, uh, we've been waiting a while on this. You've you got to play with me here a little bit. Because if you've read the Gospels, you know the hearts of the disciples. The disciples are like, they just want Jesus to bring the kingdom fully here on earth so that they could have a place in the kingdom. They want to rule. You know, you're the Messiah. We're the 12. You picked us, man. We're going to be like the cabinet of the Messiah. And they're just like, uh, Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? <laughs> Jesus is like, you're not listening to me. You're not getting this. You're not understanding this. Listen, when we are not in tune, when we are not in tune with God's mission, we drift into selfish mindset. God's mission requires something of us. He gives us the gift and the power to do it, but it requires something of us. And when we're not in tune with what God's doing in our world, we will drift into a selfish existence. Why do we need to do all of that, they're saying? Why do we need to go into the world? Why do we need to go... And do these things. Why do we need to wait here in Jerusalem? I mean, can't you just restore the kingdom? Can't you just put everything in order? And and your true followers. I mean, we're your true followers, Jesus. I mean, those people out there, they're unbelievers. Those people out there, they don't care about you. We have paid the price, man. We have been through the fire. We're running for our lives because we followed you. We're it. Can't you just restore the kingdom, give us our rightful place, and just make everything right? That's what they're saying. Jesus you can keep the baptism of the spirit. We don't need that if you just restore the kingdom. So we'll have authority and we'll have power and we'll get to do what you wish and make reality and restore this kingdom. Listen. It is easy to miss what Jesus wants. When we just want him to do what I want. When I just want Jesus to just fix this. Or why don't you just call it quits and come back? Why don't you just clear it out? It's hard. It's easy to miss what Jesus wants. When we just want what we want. The disciples had to learn this lesson. Here Jesus gives them a command, offers them a gift, and they are still too concerned with future events. They miss the mission. Verse 7. So Jesus responds to them, and he says this. He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by His own authority. 
I know there's a lot of talk right now that we're in the end times, and, and I think we are, but that could be a thousand years. It could be 7,000 years. It could be seven days. I don't know. Nobody does. I was listening to a theologian about this, and he said, you know, every generation of Christian thought their day was the end time. Paul had to deal with it in Thessalonians. The Christians just became stagnant and sat around just waiting for Jesus to come back, and he had to explain to them, we don't know. Does that mean we stop looking? No. Hoping? No. But Jesus says, here and in other places in the Gospels, it's just not for you to worry about when that time is going to come. So what should we be concerned about? And Jesus is clear. My mission. My mission. It's hard to be on God's mission when we're concerned about everything but God's mission. Even the prophecies and the truth of God, yes, God is going to restore everything as it should be, but Jesus tells us that it's not for us to be concerned with that, but to not spend our time and our energy worrying about, are we in the last days? Am I going to miss it? You should have an assurance in your heart that you know Jesus. Don't just sit around waiting for something to happen, Jesus says. Don't just sit around waiting for that to happen. I have something else for you to do. I have a mission that you need to concern yourself with. It's an impossible mission, but I'm going to give you the possible way through. I'm going to give you a gift. And here's what Jesus says. But you will receive power. Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Power to what? To rule? No. Power to what? To wave my hand and change things? No. Power to what? Power so that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and all the ends of the earth. Fear and uncertainty causes us to shrink back and wait for God to do something. But God immerses His people in His Holy Spirit so that you and me in His Spirit can go forward in power and be a witness to this world. No matter what's going on, no matter what pandemic we face, we need to be witnesses to the power of the gospel and how it's changed our life. Fear causes me to go inward. And it causes churches to go inward and to gather and kind of protect ourselves. And Jesus is saying, no, we don't want to hide in our churches until something happens. The Holy Spirit is propelling us to go in mission into God's world. To go in power and in boldness. It's that same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's an unstoppable power that makes the impossible possible. Jesus had a plan and a strategy and a mission that he calls each of us to join. 
He doesn't call us to join it in our own strength. He doesn't call us and and ask us to join in our own talents and gifts and and whatever else in our money, whatever else we have. He doesn't need all that. He says, you simply need this gift and you will go in power and be a witness. The Holy Spirit propels us into a world that needs Jesus. Jesus had a plan. Listen, Jesus is the king of an unstoppable kingdom. And he fills us, his people, with the Holy Spirit to take that kingdom to our neighborhoods, to our workplaces, to our schools, to our friends and our family. Jesus' plan for all of those who would follow him was always to give us the Spirit, to empower us to be witnesses in our world. And frankly, it just seems impossible. But Jesus promises us with confidence that we can go courageously and witness what Jesus has done for me. But here's the thing about being filled with the Spirit. I thought about bringing a little thing up here and I didn't, I didn't do it, but I probably should have, but it's hard to feel something with something when it's already full. Has anyone ever tried to fill something to the brim? Has anyone try, ever tried to fill a glass of water and you've got water and, you know, in my house when you put water on the dinner table, somebody's like, I want tea. Have you ever taken that glass of water and tried to fill it with tea when it's already full of water? It doesn't work, does it? What do I need to do with that glass of water before I can fill it with the tea? I've got to empty it, don't I? And this is the thing about the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit. The Spirit can't fill you. And you can't be his, have His power and His witness if you're already full of stuff and other things. Our lives are full. Aren't they? My schedule's full. Somebody said, wow, COVID, man. I guess you're getting all that time off. I said, I have been more busy and more stressed during the COVID season as a pastor as any time in my life. My schedule is full, as is yours. Finances, relationships, goals, dreams. We fill our lives with all of the things we think are going to make us happy and make us full and give us joy. Not that God does not want us to have dreams. It's not that God doesn't want us to have goals. It's not that God doesn't want us to have things. But how does His mission intersect with your life? Are you on mission with God? When you go to work, do you only think of your work or do you also think of the people you work with? God's kingdom is about people. When you go to school, is it just the schoolwork and the friendships? Or do you really think, God, how does what you want for these people who are lost and far from you and they really need to know you? And if they knew you, their life would be very different and great and awesome, just like you've done in my life. How does that intersect with where I'm at, what I'm doing? When you go 
fishing or you go hunting or you go hang out with the guys? Is it just recreation or do you actually think, how does the mission of God intersect with my playtime? It's not that God doesn't want these things for us. He just wants us to be on mission in these things. Too often we seek to do things in our own power and our own strength. And here's the challenge for you this morning, church. Let go. Just let it go. Let the fear go. Let the anxiety go. Let, let the, the, all that's heaped on you, let, let your life go, your work go. Let all of that go. Empty yourself this morning of all that distracts and keeps you from God's purpose for you. Let God fill the void. Once you empty yourself, it, you need to be refilled, and God wants to fill you with His Spirit. Once you're empty, invite Him to fill that life of yours to the full so that you can have that power. It seems impossible, I know. But listen, God's church is unstoppable when it is filled with the Holy Spirit. You are God's church. This isn't the church. You are. And when you are filled with that Spirit, you're unstoppable. Unstoppable. I'm going to come and sing a song. I want to do something this morning. Um, If you're a staff person or a board member, a leader of this church, or you're on our vision team, I just want you to come up here, spread out, just spread out. Yeah, don't yeah, don't be afraid. Come on up. I know you don't want anyone to know who you are. I know that. I, I understand that. Come on up and just spread out. Here's what I want to do for our church this morning. Um, it's been a difficult week. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, the church, you know, uh, Tracy, our worship leader, we had to let go. Um, not because she's a bad worship. We just had to, we don't the financial situation of the church. We had to to make a change there, and uh, possibly other changes. And we're evaluating everything, but. It's a trying time. Let's spread out. No, get a single file line and face the people. They don't want to look at your backside, trust me. Spread out. Put your masks on if you need to. You mean if we're too ugly, we've got to put masks You do, Gary. I wish, Gary, you have to wear a mask even when COVID's over, all right? <laughs> um, so this is your leadership and they really wrestle with these things and they carry the weight and the decisions we have to make. I don't make all the decisions. We talk about things together and, and, and they are a great counsel to me and I share things probably too much sometimes with them, but they'll tell you I am blunt honest with them about stuff and where I'm at personally and the church and all that. These are great people. You've elected them, you've picked them, and I want you to pray for them this morning. So our worship team, I know the, some of the worship team's on the board, but get up here. You're still up front, but yeah, come on up. You can spread back out. The church of Jesus Christ needs the church of Gateway to join what Jesus is doing in the world, in your communities. And I want you to pray this morning as we sing this song, Spirit of the Living God. I want you to pray and sing.
Let's worship.